Welcome to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. We're proud that The Underdogs is part of the London is Blue podcast media network. And hello, welcome. This is your host, Brandon. Hey, I'm Dan. Hello, I'm Nick. I've got co-hosts, and we're here to do a podcast, Nick. That's right. Uh, if, if you don't know, we are all hosts of a podcast called London is Blue. We cover Chelsea Football Club uh, every week for the last eight years. We, we have a little bit of experience doing this. But, Dan, we are, we're taking this uh, knowledge of football that we have and applying it for the first time into a watch-along series. And this is episode one of that watch-along series. It's exciting. Yeah, we've wrangled our energy into something else that excites us as well, which is the series of Ted Lasso. And we're getting all of that excitement and bundling up into a little bit of a review of the first episode of the series, the one that took the world by storm. In every episode, we do a brief episode overview, followed by a three-word episode review. Then we analyze what happened on the pitch, off the pitch, and the main theme of the episode. We follow that with a little bit of pub trivia, which is uh, big in the soccer scene out there. Mm. And we finally crown a winner, winner, football dinner of the episode. We keep track all season. We're going to have a real winner at the end. It's easy enough. I'm sure you can follow along. So we should jump right in with said three-word episode review. Nick, what is going on here? So yeah, you, you take your summation of the episode, and you have to be short, and you have to be succinct. And I'm going with Lost in Translation. There are a lot of little uh, nuances of this episode uh, between American English and British English that I really think uh, culminated in in a big uh, theme for the episode. Yeah, big fan of the Ussies, for sure. I wonder if that'll take off. Uh, Dan, (laughs) what about you? This is football, question mark? Similar to Nick's one of the translation element, there's uh, some learning that is coming up on this episode. A lot of instruction. And, uh, you know, football has many different forms, and uh, this is another one of them. This is ridiculous, you guys, in your philosophical three-word match <laughs> reviews. I just reacted to the character who rubbed me the wrong way the most, and that was Jamie Tart. And I said, Tart's a twat. But apparently you guys have deeper <laughs> meetings and feelings, and I'm just reacting to the surface level. So uh, if that is not yes. a preview of what's to come uh, this season between the three of us, I don't know what is. So... Um, we like to break the show down to kind of what happens on the pitch or the field, uh, what goes on amongst the team and then off the pitch, what happens in the surrounding areas uh, of the show. So if we look at the football stuff that happened, the pilot was about everything that actually happened off the pitch, but we do get a few scenes that tee up the kind of characters that our coaches and players are while also starting to reveal tiny bits about their character, um, and, and we got a bit of a cold open to kick it off, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the cold open on the pitch with God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols playing in the background, players showing off a bunch of flare moves. You know, again, this is the first scene of the entire show. We don't know these guys yet, but clearly the showrunners are trying to credential them <laughs> as footballers, as real footballers right away. Dan, which I, I think was a really interesting first choice uh, looking back at it. Because, um, you know, of course, we're not recording this after the, our first watch. We, we have now rewatched these multiple times. And I thought that was a pretty fascinating choice. Uh, it's always potentially cringeworthy when you have a sports focused show and you get a chance to watch the action. And if the action is so far off of what the real world example of it looks like. It can do a lot to undercut the total production quality of it. And this is one where you watch it. And as people who watch football an ungodly amount, 
this felt <laughs> like being close within the camera and in the game. And that is probably the best endorsement you could receive on this type of action, Brandon, that ultimately it felt real enough that you weren't taken out of the episode right as it was getting underway. Again, we come with a unique perspective. My watch, my wife watching it next to me, I think she was completely unfazed or just, you know, had had no perspective if that was good or not. She just kind of took the show at its word. So, yeah, they, they had to build that up a little bit and uh, and kind of set the scene, which was good. Um, you know, a little little bit of showboating, right? A little bit of uh, a snap, a little bit of fire out of one. It's funny because you have uh, uh, the ground screw who we come to learn is Nate is kind of like trying to give coach lasso a rundown of all the different players. Right. And, uh, he's got a little bit of snark, little snap, but it was great to get the Chelsea angle for us. Right. Champions league winning Roy Kent, but it was eight years ago. <laughs> that would have been when the show aired, that would have been our 2012, uh, champions league win, which is a fond memory for all of us. And it was a nice little Easter egg in there for, for real football fans. You know, I think they do a really good job of, uh, you know, kind of like entourage did back in the day where you'd have these fake, this fake team, these fake, uh, characters intersecting with what we know reality to be right. And Chelsea real team that Champions League win a real moment. And so I think that's a, a really, it was a really nice touch. And I love the fact that it was like right after the introductory press conference, Ted's taking in training and Roy's yelling at a bunch of people. We meet Roy Kent for the first time. He's just yelling at people. And Ted's response is he's a spirited fella. <laughs> you could say that again. I think Dan, you could say that again. Yeah, you very, very early on, you realize that he is going to be someone who is most likely going to potentially develop a heart of gold. I think that you see that he is someone that Coach Lasso has identified as someone who's going to try to work his Midwestern charms on. Yeah, I suppose that bleeds to off the pitch where they say how how pissed is he going to be when we win him over <laughs> that line? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. will be furious. Uh, the other one, which uh, my three-word uh, episode review tied back to, was the fact that we got introduced to Jamie Tart. Uh, talented, very, very talented, uh, but overall shitty attitude during the session while meeting the shy and underperforming uh, Sam Obisanya as well. It, it kind of sets the stage for the main characters, the energy that you get from the Richmond squad. There's clearly a hierarchy, but again, that's the way it is in sports. You know, all stars are going to act a certain way, squad players are going to act a certain way, and you kind of have everything in between. Uh, we definitely got kind of those three hierarchy levels established uh, well, right there's away. Just, there's just not enough time in an episode to go through the lives of 11 different players or 22 different players. So you kind of do have to pick and choose which ones you really focus in on. And Roy, Jamie, and Sam were kind of the obvious picks. And then... After training, uh, we got to meet another crucial member of the cast, Keely Jones, as she comes to pick up her boyfriend, Jamie. Uh, I don't know if you'd consider her a cougar, Dan, but obviously Jamie uh, uh, Tart being the young, uh, flashy footballer that she is is locked up to. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if we use the term WAG, oh, it's not offensive, it's Wives and Girlfriends, an acronym very commonly used abroad. You probably hear it as well, um, but she's definitely going to be playing the wag role in, in the locker room, which is very common in, in European football. Yeah. Commonplace. Yeah. I, I think that's an important thing to outline is that this 
culture element of the game is very common in you know, there as Chelsea supporters, uh, you see this with uh, uh, Tiago Silva, who's currently a, a center back or defender on the Chelsea squad, and uh, his wife Bell Silva, and uh, you know they can be absolute fan favorites, uh, just as much as some of the players are in terms of the the role that we play. Uh, there's also a famous instance with uh, Rebecca Vardy, and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that sure. would be fun to look up if you're uh, interested in how crazy can things go off uh, off the pitch. One. Uh, Icardi, of master of all. Oh my goodness! Anyways, my goodness. anyways, uh, <laughs> you will uh, definitely hit a wiki spiral on that one. Uh, but then, you know, lastly, I think for on the pitch, Nick, uh, after a very cold meeting with Roy, never thought his career would end up being coached by Ronald Fucking McDonald. <laughs> which great line! Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Ted Post, the incredibly popular belief sign which you have uh in your shot there sign in the locker room keely doesn't really help but we get to see more of her personality and and that was again i think an inflection point of how ted's going to try to manage this group uh the reception that he's getting from the players clearly and understandably coming in with zero respect maybe negative points we, we get into why he got negative points uh in in our next section here but yeah i mean I think the show did a really good job, even in episode one, of teeing up Keely as, you know, she was supposed to be a wag or kind of uh, there for more of her her looks than than anything else. But very, very early on, you start to see the personality that everyone really comes to love throughout the series. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that, you know, it's, it's just one of these little things that when you watch it multiple times, you kind of pick up on. The original purpose for her helping Ted out was to straighten out the sign. And by the end, it's still crooked. Um, despite all of the work that goes into the placement of the sign, which I loved. And, you know, that crooked sign has now become an iconic, you know, symbol of the show that like things are a little weird. Sometimes they're a little off kilter and you got to deal with them. And there can be good stuff that comes out of that, too. Again, which is why Dan and I have been telling you that your sign is off for for many episodes. It is My, Mine is mine is, is straight. straight as an arrow. Uh, All right. Well, before we get to off the pitch stuff, the workplace stuff, we are going to take an ad break. That is right. We do have ads on this podcast and we thank the sponsors for for financially supporting the show so we can bring you awesome content like this. But when we're back, we're going to jump into what happened off the pitch, which spoiler was a lot. We'll be right back. All right. So off the pitch, uh, after rewatching it again, we've watched it a couple of times only because we're established professionals and we take our job seriously. (laughs) That's right. Uh, we think that it's fascinating that a show about Jason Sudeik's commercial turned lovable TV character doesn't show up until almost the fourth minute of the pilot. That's right. Nick, this was a promo character that NBC Sports used when they gained the rights to the Premier League years back. It went cold turkey for a while. I think he was going to manage Tottenham at the time. It went away, and then next thing we know, it's been spun up to an entire episodic series. Yeah, I mean, this is a character that Jason Sudeikis has had in his uh, journal book, whatever, for for years and years and years. And I think it's based off of one of his uh, high school coaches or something like that. I think he gave an interview where he said that. But this is, uh, it's it's fascinating to see in a show called Ted Lasso that we don't actually see Ted for four minutes, Dan. Like, it's all about the other characters. It's all about setting up the field of play before we even meet Ted. And then when he does finally join the show, he's coming out of an airplane bathroom. <laughs> it's like very, like, How not a heroic it? entrance at all to the show. Well, I mean, 
that's that's fine. You know, you, not all heroes get a wonderful start to their story. And uh, Ted, in similar fashion, does not get one there. But, uh, you know, you get recognized on a, an airplane, potentially, and uh, get asked for uh, an ussy. And, uh, yeah, there you go. You uh, get a chance to cement yourself. And that's also another common thing that happens off the pitch, too. When someone gets announced, you start to see some of the first photos or pictures or videos of them pop online as fans identify them heading to effectively their announcement or their appointment. And we get to see some uh, banter between him and his assistant coach, Coach Beard. But what I love is this tie-in that that his introduction was you know, brought through the media, Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter, where we learned that Ted Lasso, a Division II national championship winning football coach from Wichita State University, uh, who does not have a football program, uh, known for their uh, NCAA March Madness heroics. Basketball, basketball school, big basketball school. He took a garbage program, again, that didn't exist, to the promised land in how many seasons? One. One. <laughs> That's right. The ultimate turnaround. And we get to see the famed Lasso dance for the first time. And it was special. Oh, go, Lasso. Go, go, Lasso. Go. Go. Yeah, it's uh, th- I, I love again. It's it's just like mapping a fake team, a fake character into a reality. And anyone who's watched SportsCenter forever knows SVP is like the best to ever do it. And so you got to you got you have a little bit of credentialing happening here. Dan, and you also get to see, I think, how he, through this one very quick dance video, how he rallies people around him and his energy. And if that's not the theme of the show, like, I, I don't know what is. Like, his positivity and his willingness to embarrass himself is is a constant, like, positive inflection point for people. Well, also potentially sowing the seeds of that he's dealt with non-professional athletes, and getting a group of non-professional athletes excited versus a professional set in terms of also doing it with a different sport is not always a transferable skill. And we're seeing the skills that he does have that will be transferable, uh, particularly because there are plenty that are not transferable from just the knowledge formation, the elements of the game that he's going to have to pick up on. But that's not the only person we meet very early on into season one, episode one, Brandon. Right. We we definitely skipped over the the opening of the show mm-hmm. to make sure that we touched on uh, the main character, Ted. But we get to meet the recently divorced Rebecca Welton, which is important to say recently divorced because that's the premise of her running this football club. It's an asset she got in the divorce. Uh, so she is now the proud owner of AFC <laughs> Richmond. Uh, Acrimony's divorced from her then husband, Rupert Manchin. Um, Mannion. Mannion? Again, weird how they tee things up. Anyways, we're going to get more from him. Uh, But then we find out her, like, evil underlying, um, I guess, reasons for bringing in Ted, or uh, bringing in Ted, don't we, Dan? Well, she wants to destroy the only thing he loved. And look, that is a devious and downright dastardly plan that she's put together and if you're going to get somebody to take a team down it probably is not going to be an established football coach in england 
or in Europe. It is someone who maybe is taking a job without the real credentials. Uh, there's a lot in terms of like badges. You know, you would need some level of accreditation to actually be able to take this job. But look, that's the suspension of disbelief element we need that's to right. check ourselves with Nick. Yeah, I mean, it's it is true that, you know, he, he would not technically be eligible <laughs> unless he did a fair amount of work uh, between winning the national championship with Wichita State and, and being hired. But uh, I, I love that the opening scene of Ted is that they're on the flight. It's him and the enigmatic Coach Beard. There's a lot more interaction to come uh, on that front. They're on the flight over, and they we, we start to see, Brandon, the inner workings of their kind of quirky friendship, workplace relationship, and you can tell how close they are basically from go. Ted asks him, are we nuts for doing this? Beard says, yeah, this is nuts. You know, and then you get one of endless quotes that we're going to get throughout this series where Ted says, hey, taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. End quote. And that's the type of character we're going to get throughout this one. And you kind of makes you sit there. You laugh a little bit. You smirk and you go, what's so ridiculous? Uh, I wonder where this is going. Um, and, 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 and that's definitely, you get kind of the grounded person. He's reading the inverted pyramid book. You know, he's trying to absorb himself in what the hell it is Dan that they're actually getting himself into. And Ted's off in like this, this other world kind of hasn't even really grasped that they're doing it at this point. No, the culture shock is about to be very, very real. And the happy-go-lucky attitude that we are getting a chance to connect into helps us understand that at least the temperament of an individual for a job as high stress as a Premier League manager looks to be the right fit, whether or not the knowledge base is. Exactly. Which, again, good writing. This all ties together. They land. They go, we're not in Kansas anymore. As they tour London, uh, Ted and Beard head to Nelson Road Stadium eventually, get to see the coaches take it in, and they step onto the pitch. And Nick, again, more kind of like revealings of this Ted Lasso character. Yeah, it kind of ties back to to my three-word episode review. Uh, you know, Ted, Ted and Beard are feeling the grass, um, and uh, Ted looks up and he's like, it's the same but different. And then beard goes metaphor <laughs> as, as if, as if to break the fourth wall of the show that early is, is, is kind of cool. But um, there's a fun fact about the stadium in which the Greyhounds apply their trade, Dan. And, and it's, it has to do with us in our, in our other podcast. Well, we've been there. We've been not on set, not at Nelson road. We haven't gone into the TV multiverse, but we have been to Selhurst park, which uh, is a actual stadium in London or in the greater London area. Uh, you might also might hear us call it uh, Sell Worst Park because it is quite <laughs> terrible. It is uh, a very old ground or maybe not uh, not as well loved as some of the vintage. other more modern grounds. Yeah. Yeah, vintage. I use medieval vintage usually when I describe it. Uh, I, I've used did, the bathroom well, did there. It feel punishing to go there. <laughs> yeah, the, the facilities are lacking, I would say. Uh, but it is fun to, to kind of go back. Uh, and they did play off the colors. Palace wear the same colors. So it, it all just tied in. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of fun looking and being like, wait a second. Yeah, that's right. We have been there. Uh, just looked a little different. 
uh, at the time. Uh, but this is, you know, when they're at Nelson Road Stadium, as they call it, uh, is where we meet Nate the Kitman. Uh, he shoes the coaches off the pitch. He starts in the far corner. <laughs> you can't really see him in scene, you know, and then like he starts Flapping to hear arms. him. And as he gets closer, and it was just a funny, you know, these guys didn't know what was going on. Uh, they're just trying to figure it out. And then, you know, he trips all over himself before taking the coaches, you know, off, 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 off. And was a, that was a funny little exchange, too, because they're trying to figure out who each other were. Then they figure it out. He asked him his name. He goes, no one ever asked me my name. And then all of a sudden they had a coming to. And they're like, oh, yeah, off the grass. We need to go. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, like I said, he ends up taking them to to go see Rebecca, Nick. Yeah, and, and Nate freezes completely because Rebecca is, is terrifying to most of these people. You know, she's a very successful, uh, intimidating type of leader. And uh, he gets up there, completely freezes. He was, he was not even able to intro them properly. And then you see both Beard and Ted kind of peek around the, the doorframe and, and introduce themselves and... Uh, Ted, you know, says, hi, I'm Ted Lasso, whatever. And uh, you must be Miss Welton. And she goes, please call me Rebecca. Miss Welton's my father. And Ted looks at her and goes, if that's a joke, I love it. If not, I cannot wait to unpack that with you. It, it's just like the start of what ends up being a very banter filled relationship between these two characters. Then I couldn't have handled that as well as he did. <laughs> if, if, if I got you fed that line, I feel like you could. I probably would have just said, uh, okay, um, next, <laughs> like tripped over myself. Uh, but again, that's very much uh, just a, a, an amazing way for him to handle that. Uh, almost like offering himself up to to like stand in her corner as he just met her. Um, and, and then you get the tea scene, Dan, which is hilarious as Nick drinks some right now. Uh, yeah. But it's a lovable little scene that they have here. Well, you get the fact that uh, Ted is, is very American and the fact that he is a coffee-forward, coffee-first individual, but uh, graciously accepts the tea, uh, even though he maybe questions the, the motive of offering it to him in the first place. And uh, I think the line is, uh, I always thought tea was going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was, it's, I was right. It's horrible. No, thank you. <laughs> Well, okay, you skip the best part. Okay, Nick, he goes, Rebecca goes, how do you take your tea? And Ted says, well, I usually take it right back to the counter because someone has made a horrible mistake, but when in Rome, right? And, they, <laughs> and I just, I mean, it's, it's perfect. And then I love Rebecca's like really snide, doesn't give a shit. Welcome to England. <laughs> as, as if, as if to say, this is not going to go how you're used to. Well, the tour ends in a frantic press conference, which I was not expecting at all. This was a huge surprise for me, as apparently it was for Ted as well. Uh, they introduced the concept of Ted's anxiety issues. There was some ringing, kind of some blurriness. He, he disconnects, which, you know, I think I would have been overwhelmed in that situation too. The press are just grilling Ted over his lack of experience, which I think are fair questions. You just would have hoped he would have been a little bit more prepared. Um you know, they're, they're, they go back and forth, then they introduce, uh, which is probably the best support cast of ever, uh, Dan, which is the pub crew, which is, we, we, it, it was so good. We've been in the pubs over there. Like, they mm -hmm. nailed it. I love those characters. Yeah, the, the, the fans stand in. They, they represent what a fan would be saying in that moment as they watch a newly announced individual. It, it's 
maybe unlikely that that would be broadcast during the middle of the day, potentially. And, you know, you would imagine people might have jobs. Suspend again, disbelief. Suspension yeah. of disbelief. But it definitely is uh, a moment of another thing that you would likely have is you would likely have a press officer who'd be sitting next to Ted to help screen these things because that is something that also gets managed uh, as we have sat in some of those environments before. This is, uh, again, a little uh, manufactured to allow Ted to be uh, more thoroughly grilled than most managers would ever be in the Premier League. It, it's a cool scene, though, because it's uh, you get the f- very quick flashes, right? It's they, they set up, as Brandon said, a very like chaotic scene. And as Ted is giving some of these answers and the journalists are asking questions, you get flashes from the setting, you get flashes to the pub, you get flashes uh, really the first time you get to see any of the players' faces is during this scene. And you get to see uh, Roy and Sam like very attentively watching the TV while the rest of the team kind of does whatever they're doing in the locker room. And None of these groups, it turns out, uh, Brandon, uh, are filled with a ton of confidence based on the presser. Uh, it goes pretty horribly wrong, including uh, the bubbly water in which you know he it gets Ted twice uh, in, in the same little little scene. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of the it's like the all the negative kind of coming down at yeah. once. Oh yeah, a lot of pressure. Uh, the the bubbly water is hilarious. Like understandable again, uh, if you're not ready for that as an American, that'll get you. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent, real or real newspaper, probably not real journalist. Um, yeah. Kind of, you know, leads everyone through, leads I think Ted what through what everyone is thinking. He's like, I just want to make sure I have this right. You're an American who's never set foot in England, whose athletic success has only come at the amateur level, a second tier one at that, <laughs> uh, and is now being charged with the leadership of a Premier League football club, which again over there is the NFL, right? It is the biggest of the biggest, big Top bucks, tier. best athletes in the world. Like this matters. And they say, he goes on and says, despite clearly possessing very little knowledge of the game, Ted responds, You got a question in there, Trent? And to which Trent replies, Yeah, is this a fucking joke? And then it <laughs> blows up. It blows up, and uh, everyone kind of celebrates his piercing question because that's what they want to know. The the best part of this, though, Dan, is that the the supporters in the pub, the three that we get to see most regularly, uh, one of them goes, "Thank you, Trent," and then the other guy goes, "I love journalists because the, the and it's so brilliant because most football supporters are not, let's just say." massive uh fans of journalists pretty much like yeah very few exceptions in there but like that's not a widely held belief it definitely depends on the day it yeah. depends on the day and depends on the question it depends upon uh, if they support your club or not and how uh, vocal they are in that support but in general this is really i think capped off by the fact that rebecca swoops in and kind of puts Really, the audience in the room and those who potentially are watching this to a little bit of a, I don't know, puts them on the defensive rather by indicating, look, but, you know, Coach Lasso has a trophy. He has one from this millennium, and that is not something that this club has. And almost trying to espouse the the virtue of what Coach Lasso is going to bring 
this club, even in spite of everything that he is missing, where all the qualifications he doesn't have. And look, there are certain clubs in England, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, we mentioned before, <laughs> who struggle with the concept of uh, <laughs> uniting themselves and their aspirations with the trophies. And so for some clubs, uh, just being able to have that connection to someone who has touched silverware <laughs> in a recent history would be something that they might want to go hire a manager for. Yeah, it's it's it would be remiss, though, if at this point we didn't mention that after the presser, after everything kind of calms down, uh, Rebecca is with her lieutenant, uh, whose name is Higgins uh, at that point. Uh, and it, it's where she's looking at the, the picture of Rupert on the wall. And she gives a very graphic, uh, and I will not repeat this description, of what she intends to do with the football club to mess with Rupert. And as a part of that, promotes Higgins to the director of football operations uh, so that we can, con- you know, so that we, so that they can continue this, this ruse that they've built up. Uh, and she nails Higgins to the wall because apparently he helped Rupert cheat on her by hosting lunches and doing all sorts of other stuff while they while they still own the club. And so she kind of has him dead to rights on that one, Brandon. Absolutely just daggered him as well. And again, <laughs> insert wife's reaction of almost celebrating, you know, Rebecca in that situation. But you get it. You know, it's very human. Like yeah. this this is her reality. She's dealing with it. And yeah, he was an accomplice to Rupert, albeit, you know, a uh, kind of a boss subordinate relationship where he's kind of having to take orders. He got really stuck in that moral dilemma. And so she's going to help him redeem himself uh, this <laughs> way. And, and the episode ends with Ted getting used to his new apartment, calling Michelle's wife. It's the first look at some problems between the two a little bit as she doesn't say that she loves him on the phone, gets to talk to his son. So we know he's got a family. And I think that probably just kind of brings up some things of like, oh, it's weird that he's there by himself. I wonder if they're coming. But he does have a young son, and and he has a wife that um, that are at least around. It's kind of a somber ending to the first episode that has all this like chaos and energy to it, Dan. Where you you get to see Ted basically not sleep for what looks like thirty six hours as he gets you know kind of thrown into this cauldron, and then at the end, it's like oh he he still has to deal with these problems. Yeah, it definitely gives us a little bit of a lead into that not everything is potentially perfect that this might not be someone who is entirely happy even though his external output is mm-hmm. very very beyond belief positive you know we know i think we probably all know someone in our lives who has that level of enthusiasm and excitement and he's that individual to an 11 or a 12 out of a 10 point scale but it's not all right. It's me, Dan. That's that's who you're referring to, I think. It's exactly. The- <laughs> yeah, that's you. Um, a lot happened. And, and again, this is our on the pitch, off the pitch. Uh, we're going to take an app break when we get back. Now we're going to talk about the main theme, which we called the roost. And we're going to kind of talk about what we thought was the through line through this episode. To, again, just give more context to it. We still have the Crown and Anchor pub trivia. Surprises and awarding are uh not man of the match but winner winner football dinner who won the episode so stay tuned we thank sponsors for supporting the show we'll be right back all right so as we tease the main theme the ruse so to be fair i think we're all curious about the pilot of this series when it first was announced uh how we'd make the jump from ted lasso being a fictitious commercial spoof for nbc sports premier league coverage to sitcom on apple tv well they delivered a heck of a one-two punch i would say nick um, the jab first. We always got to start the jab, right? And a one, two. 
Yeah, you don't throw haymakers first. No, no. The the jab because you know we're. I, I was really uh, curious, uh, reflecting back to when I first watched this one, was how they were going to make this storyline function. And so you you have two different angles. The first angle, which we're calling the jab, is is definitely the ruse by Rebecca to sink the club into relegation. Uh, by hiring a manager that has no earthly idea about the game. Uh, as Dan said earlier, you have to sp- suspend a little bit of disbelief for the scenario to work out. But it's a really interesting one because for those who don't know, if your club gets relegated and moves down a level, so from the Premier League to the Championship in this in this particular situation, you lose a ton of money and resources and TV rights. And it can feel like a death sentence in a way for, for a club, uh, you know, to, to try and get themselves back to the big time, Dan. And so I think this, w- while the scenario itself might've been uh, a little difficult for hardcore football fans to believe the relegation piece is real. It's like, it's like the Patriots getting relegated to division one football, Dan. It, if only, you know, Dan, if only more like the CFL or something, you know, it would have mm. to be uh, that, that type of analogy to really, I think, really land on what it is, because it's a multi million to hundreds of millions dollar difference in being in the Premier League versus being in the championship, depending upon what other competitions your squad competes in. And so, yeah, I, I don't think they do a great job of explaining the realities or kind of helping you understand what it means to get relegated. Like so again, yeah, the, the stakes aren't really well established other than that you're going to doom the club or Rebecca wants to doom the club and that's about to come. And you start to learn a little bit more. I, I would hope rather that we start to learn a little bit more about what that is over the coming episodes. Yeah. So, so Rebecca's the jab and then the hook was the hint that Ted had ulterior motives himself for the move. Uh, were you surprised about how easy it was to get in? I'm sorry. So if we sit with that, like I get, I guess, you know, we, we got that right at the end, you know, so they pretty mm-hmm. much are setting us up for most of the episode with Rebecca. And then you hit us with the hook at the end, that last phone call from Ted before the season ends. And that really set up the, the impetus for this entire pilot. And so based on that, uh, Dan, were you surprised at how easy it was to get engaged with the pilot? Was it easy for you? Um, were you just kind of like soaking it all in, trying to be like, I wonder where this adventure is going to go? Because again, we we had a little bit of experience with him. I think it was like in 2014 is when we were introduced yeah. to Ted Lasso. This is coming out f- like much, much, much later. Well, it was easier because he's not a manager of Tottenham Hotspur. So I think that first and foremost, you can't root for anyone associated with that club and wish them to do well. But this is, puts us in a good scenario where we can root for someone who clearly is a fish out of water, who now has been set up to fail. And you know that when they've been set up to fail, you've created a scenario where not only is this person an underdog in potentially the competition, but been set up to fail within that competition, you're going to root for them even harder. And so in general, there's enough narrative element that gets teed off here in terms of the types of conflicts that are, you know, individual versus self, you know, individual versus the world, individual versus their environment. You're checking off the big temples of conflict here that always lead to or can lead to a very, very good story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I again, I, I was very surprised, I think very positively surprised by how this went. I actually didn't watch it live um, because I 
I think I was a little scared maybe that they that they were going to screw up the thing that I loved and maybe not do right by this this sport that I sink so many hours into every week. And finally, my my creative director at work was like, Nick, you have to fucking watch this show like this. This has to be appointment viewing for you. So I binged the whole first season. And I remember thinking after the pilot, like, holy shit, they're going to nail this thing. Like it is absolutely incredible. And it was a very easy uh, entry point into, you know, bridging the gap from the commercial Ted Lasso, right? The goofy guy who knows nothing, whatever, to the show Ted Lasso and this new team that they just made up and the scenario and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was a really good pilot. I I was really interested just to see how wide open they would maybe kind of pull in all these different things. I uh, thought they did a really good job of establishing that 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 jab and hook uh, right away because now we we know where it's going, which I, I think is good. Um, you know, uh, we're, this is this is going to be a journey again. We're we're going to try to not show the crystal ball a little too much as we yeah, go yeah. through this and and keep it tight. Um, but what we love about this is we do have the the pub trivia right which is something that is is very um cultural again uh and i think we have it here a lot as well so we named it after the pub that's in the show i guess do we know that it's officially named that yet or we is this a teaser <laughs> yeah it's it's not officially said in not episode a big detail. one but but the 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 sign is outside of the pub and so it's it you know i don't think we're giving anything away no. by by saying it's crown and anchor pub trivia and like I, I am a, I'm the person who primarily writes the scripts for these episodes. So these are largely my weird questions and observations and nuggets that I take out Dan from the show. And so I think the way that we want to do this, because we're kind of introducing this concept now and you guys cannot respond to us in real time as we record this uh, podcast that we're putting out on the air is just hit us up at pod underdogs on Twitter. If you have answers to any of these questions, we will do our damnedest to engage with you and give you uh, virtual hugs and high fives and all sorts of stuff. So that's that's the way I think we're going to do it. Which is going to be a hoot. Um, we'll cycle through these. So I'll go first. We hear Ted ask, how many countries are in this country, the UK? So how many countries are part of the United Kingdom? Good luck. And this is, yeah, they say this uh, on the show. So you may go do a rewatch for yourself if you haven't seen it. Uh, Dan, what's next? What are the three things that Ted asked Beer to pick up as amenities for their new office? <laughs> yeah, every every office needs a, a few things in it to make it feel like home. Yeah, they, these guys did the very like they're very familiar moving offices. It seemed like those like very quick list. So pick that up. Uh, I will. I'll go next. Ted wins a bet with Beard by using which phrase during his press conference? It's a very, uh, it's a notable moment. Very specific. Uh, next one up is what book is Beard reading on the flight over to England? Which I did maybe answer earlier in this episode. You, if you, you may have spoiled it, we're paying attention. <laughs> Odds are you've forgotten by now. Uh, Dan, number five. What does Ted tell Rebecca that he hopes believe in themselves? It could be a creature. It could be a person. Who knows? You may have to go find that out. Uh, Nick, lastly, number six. Bonus question, and it's only because I am near the state of Kansas. I, I live in Kansas City, um, much like uh, Sudeikis did growing up. Uh, what is the mascot of Wichita State? 
the, the school in which Ted came from to go to Richmond. All right. Well, that is our crown and anchor pub trivia. Weird questions and observations. Get involved. Get stuck in. Uh, any surprises from this one before we announce our winner, winner football dinner? Um, I know, obviously, Nick has a lot. Dan, again, from from your perspective, pilot episode, uh, setting the scene. Anything catch you off guard? Not anything that caught me off guard. I do think there's a lot of work to do within world building around the Premier League. I mean, the sport is a 24-7, 365, even when... Football isn't on. It dominates the news stories with both what's happening on and off the pitch. Reference back to the types of content we talk about in this show. And so helping frame that, you know, with the nuggets of there's the press element of it. There's the uh, familial relationships with the wives or girlfriends to the footballers. I I think they did a great job with the breadcrumbs in this episode to go out and effectively build out the larger universe so that we can feel fully enveloped in what it means to support or be connected to a footballing entity or Premier League footballing entity. Because I think that is something, if you haven't been to a game before, Nick, that is a different beast than really anything that the U.S. has in terms of a sport. I mean, the most common is actually college football in the U.S., yeah, and we we talk about it. It's it's a, it's a culture. Like it's not a sport. It's the culture around the. I mean, football clubs in England are the you know they're they're beacons within the community, right? And because they're beacons within a community, you have so much culture and so much tradition built around you know what you do on a game day, how you talk to your how you talk to your friends or your mates, like. There, there is so much about a uh, about a football club that can impact, you know, how you view the world uh, if if you live over there. And so the fact that we have done that, we've actually been over to London like ten times as a group and watched a number of games and and had you know the the great experience, Brandon, of meeting uh, you know regular season ticket holders. I, I think that's the thing that stuck out to me that I was really worried about is that they wouldn't get the player like how the players engage with each other and the supporters, right? And to see, you know, Roy Kent swearing at people right away and Jamie Tart being in kind of an asshole and to see the supporters kind of lose their shit on the press conference, like that is exactly how it is. Like that is, we know people that could be stand-ins for some of these characters, right? Like it, it was so important that they got that right. And once I saw that they got that piece right, I was like, all right, this is going to be a good show. Yeah, I think for those of you that are maybe new to English football, this is a good representation and a good gateway drug into the the sport. Uh, you are mm-hmm. going to, um, if, if things grab your attention and, and you find them interesting or relatable, uh, you would definitely be doing yourself a service by uh, picking a team named Chelsea and following them in the Premier League <laughs> to continue uh, your fandom. Uh, as well. So now we are at the end of the show where we have our winner, winner football dinner, aka who won the episode. Uh, it's not always a clean sweep. Usually it's two versus one and we get a pick on the one. Uh, but in this one, I went with Rebecca. I thought her handling of firing of the coach was hilarious. Uh, yes. Her manipulation of the media was fun. And you clearly found out she had a master plan that she's executing against, and she's a bit of a badass boss. And I respected her for that. She definitely dominated the episode, so I think she got a leg up. But hey, 
there's a lot of room for Ted and Beard to get involved or, you know, someone else maybe if you'd want. So, Dan, who is your winner? You know, even though the show is named Ted Lasso, and I would imagine in future episodes he will climb up the chart, he'll have a chance at the season victory. This was not a victory for the main character. This was absolutely a dub for the boss, Rebecca. This was her cementing herself as a just a different type of villain initially, and that a villain that you didn't necessarily feel you felt bad for, right? You feel bad that this individual has you know gone through this period in her life and is dealing with something so traumatic for her at the same time is also potentially ruining someone else's life or multiple people's lives because of her, you know, what has happened to her. And so, you know, really interesting plan. It'll be interesting to see if it uh, actually comes to fruition. Nick. Yeah. I, it's Rebecca. It's a clean sweep on this one. Uh, strong main character energy. Uh, and uh, look, she got her wish uh, of, of getting uh, someone who doesn't know, uh, as we as we would say on our show, fuck all about football. But sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for. And I and I think I think there's maybe a hint as to where that goes next. Yeah. Well, uh, that is an episode of the Underdogs. Uh, that is the pilot episode, a little bit longer than normal. Again, we had to set the stage for some things, but uh, that'll definitely give you an idea of what is to come all the way through season two as we get ready for the season three watch long as Apple. Uh, our wrapping up production. Um, but hope you enjoyed it. Again, we, we've got the social media handle, AFC Underdogs. Uh, we're probably going to have pinned tweets on there as far as, um, you know, who's on our leaderboard of the Winner Winner Football Dinner. Uh, we'll be able to engage and talk about the pub trivia on there. So make sure to go follow us there. Uh, again, if, if you just want to get to know more about us, at London Blue Pod uh, is where we live most days during the week uh, as we follow Chelsea. So again, if you're just looking for people to ask questions about as you want to know the Premier League, um, we will put our personal handles in there as well. We will try to give you as non-biased perspectives as possible. But I can't promise you Dan is extremely biased when it comes to Chelsea and the Premier League. So good luck. Any defense of yourself? Yeah, Dan. No, no defense. He takes it. He takes it in stride. Anyways, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode.